Hello and welcome into today's episode where we will be joining Legacy Church there in Shebbyville, Tennessee, where I will be preaching a word that I pray and I hope blesses your life. I pray it takes you to greater heights in the kingdom. Get ready because I believe God is going to do something special with what you're hearing today. We are still in our series, Kingdom Keys, and this is going to be one of the messages that's a part of this and I believe that God's going to unlock something special today are you ready touch your neighbor tell them get ready get ready get ready God's getting ready to do something come on all right let's go verse 9 the Bible says this in the in Hebrews chapter 9 this is an illustration pointing to the present time for the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offered are not able to cleanse the consciousness of the people who bring them For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies. Physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered into the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not a part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Verse 13, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Do you understand that? It's the blood that will actually cleanse your conscience of your sinful deeds so that you can worship God. Because without the blood, you're thinking about all the things that you've done messed up and and you can't worship God when you've got condemnation in front of your face. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Come on. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. Covenants don't happen without blood. You do realize we're in a covenant relationship with God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. We are in a covenant with God. But covenants cannot happen without blood. If there's no blood, it's just an agreement or a contract. Contracts get broke. Come on, somebody. Covenants can't be broke. They're written in blood. So for after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant that God has made with you. 
And in the same way, he sprinkled the blood on the tabernacle and everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of the things in heaven and to be purified by the blood of animals, for the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals, a.k.a. the blood of animals wasn't going to cut it. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. Everything that was in the tabernacle that God had instructed Moses to make in the tabernacle, it was all created with human hands, right? And it was a picture and it was a copy of what God had shown Moses that was already finished in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year. That's the holy of holies. In the temples and in the tabernacles, they used to go into the holy of holies and have to offer sacrifices year after year for the sins of the people. So the writer of Hebrews, go back, sorry. The writer of Hebrews is saying, Jesus don't got to do that. His blood is sufficient enough that it's one and done. Come on, somebody. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Remove sin as his own death as a sacrifice. Last verse here. And just as each person is destined to die once and after comes the judgment. Do we have the next verse? I think I stopped right there, but I think I kept going here. Let's see. And just as each person is destined to die once and after comes judgment, verse 28 says this. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And he will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly wait for him. Oh, to God be the glory. Father, we worship you and we thank you, God. For the next couple of moments, I, help, I ask for your help, that you would help me to articulate the importance of the cross, the death, and the blood. God, it's a key that unlocks so many things to us. It's one of the most important keys to the kingdom of God to understand what your blood actually has done for the believer. This isn't just some religious thing. This isn't some cultic thing when we talk about blood. But it is a system that has purified and saved the people on the face of the earth who have faith and trust in you, Jesus. Help me to articulate it to your people today. Father, we give you all the glory and the praise for it. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Brandon. You're good, brother. So I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes today from a message that I've entitled, The Cross, the Death, and the Blood. Amen. 
Amen. You know, uh, I know that probably sounds a little bit old school, and that's actually very sad that I have to say that, right? The, the cross, the death, and the blood. But can I be quite honest with you, folks? A lot of folks don't want to talk about this anymore. A lot of folks don't want to talk about the cross. A lot of folks don't want to talk about the blood. A lot of folks don't want to talk about the death because there's a lot more prettier things that we could talk about. Come on, somebody. We got preachers that want to talk all the time about the 10 ways to get your best life. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, want, want to give you a, a little gimmick and a scheme to get to your best. You ain't getting to no best life without the cross, the death, and the blood of Jesus Christ, which enables you to be set free, clean, and healed. Amen. Preachers would rather preach how to get your best life in 10 days or stand up and give motivational speeches. And don't get me wrong, the gospel is motivating. I'm all about preaching motivational messages because the gospel is motivating. It is motivating for you to understand that your sins are forgiven. Come on. It's motivating to know that you can have a new way of living and a new way of thinking. Come on. It's motivating to know that your finances can be blessed. It's motivating to know that your marriage can be healed and whole. It's motivating to know that God has a plan and God has a destiny and God has a purpose for your life. It's very, very motivating. So don't get wrong. Don't get me wrong with what I'm saying today. But we can't just stay there and not talk about the cross, the death, and the blood. Because without the cross, the death, and the blood, there's none of this. All those other things are impossible if you don't have the death, the cross, and the blood of the Son of the living God. Amen. You know, people don't want to talk about it because they're afraid that they'll offend somebody. Can I just be honest with you today, my friends? The gospel is offensive. Come on, the gospel's bloody. The gospel can be ugly. Come on, the gospel can be messy. The gospel story has death in it. The gospel story is a bit messy. It's a bit bloody. It's got death involved with it. And the reason why the gospel can be ugly and messy sometimes and just full of just horrific things when we talk about it, when you think about a man being marred more than any man on the face of the earth ever was for your sin and my sin, that's just it. That's the reason why it's so ugly. That's the reason why it's so messy. That's the reason why it's so bloody. It's because the gospel deals with my junk and it deals with your junk. Come on, somebody. The gospel deals with our sin. It deals with our mess. It deals with our mistakes. It deals deals with all of the crazy stuff that comes through our mind. It deals with all of our past junk. It deals with all of our hatred and bigotry and all of the nonsense that we see on the face of the earth. So if all of that is messy, it was going to take something messy to straighten it out. Come on, I talk about this all the time with our addiction and recovery ministry because a lot of people don't realize this, that addiction is actually a spiritual issue. Addiction is a spiritual issue, and we know that from Galatians chapter 5, the word pharmakia is used there, sorcery, translated sorcery and witchcraft. And so, and that's where we get our word pharmacy from. That's where we get drugs from. So addiction, when it comes to drugs, it is a spiritual issue. So with a spiritual issue or problem, you need a spiritual solution. This ain't hard. It's a lot easier than we make it out to be. You need God to take that stuff away from you. And without him, you ain't going to get away from it. All right, I better get off of that. But the gospel is offensive. Come on. Sin is bloody. 
Sin is nasty. Sin is messy. But before I can show you what I need to show you today about understanding this as a key and what it unlocks, we need to rewind and go all the way back to the beginning of this book. Amen. We got to rewind and go all the way back to Genesis to really understand what the death and the cross and the blood is all about and what has transpired to get us to this point. So thought number one is that we need to understand, excuse me, we need to understand the bloodshed that was in the garden. Thought process number one, we need to understand that this whole concept of blood being shed for the forgiveness of sins It didn't just come out of nowhere one day. It started at the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. Come on. Everybody remembers the story. If you don't, I'm going to explain it a little bit. But with Adam and Eve, they're standing in the Garden of Eden. God tells them, don't go eat of that tree of knowledge and good good and evil. You can have everything else in this place. Come on, y'all heard me talk about the law of divine portions. God always says, everything's yours, but this little bit, it's mine. Don't touch it, right? God has always been that way. That's why we have a tithe. He says, the rest of it's yours. This is mine. Don't touch it. So God puts these two trees in the garden of Eden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he tells them, don't touch that tree. The rest of it's yours. You can eat, you can have, you can do whatever you want. Well, you know how humans do. Come on, somebody. If they tell us not to do something, then what do we go do? We, we just run over there and go touch it, don't we? They didn't just touch it either. They, they went and ate it, right? And so sin creeps into the earth at that point. And God tells them, he says, whenever you, if you were to eat of this, you shall surely die is what he tells Adam and Eve. He tells them, if you eat of this tree, surely you shall die. Now, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, did they die? They didn't die physically, but they died spiritually, Come on. Oh, y'all been paying attention. Y'all been reading your word, ain't you? Come on. They died spiritually. And so God has to make clothes for them because now if you flip over to the book of Romans, it says that the not only has mankind been subjected to sin, but the earth has been subjected to futility. And it's actually groaning as in child child pains, waiting for the sons of God to become and be made manifest. So, so now sometimes the earth don't know how much wind to blow. Tornadoes, come on somebody. Now, now, now the earth, sometimes the oceans don't stop where they're supposed to stop. And we have tsunami. Now the earth is shaking and we have have earthquakes and the earth has been subjected to the futility of sin as well. But so Adam and Eve sin in the Garden of Eden and God has to create clothes for them because now the earth is not going to respond to Adam like it used to respond before sin crept into the earth. See when, oh help me Jesus, I, 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 I'm supposed to get going here but I feel this. You know that the earth responded to Adam just like it responded to God before sin crept into the earth. Did y'all know God didn't name any of the animals? He brought them to Adam. He said, what is it, son? Oh, it's a lion. What is it? That's a bear. Oh, that's an alligator. He had given mankind dominion over the earth. 
That's why if things on the earth are going to get better, it's going to be because of us. If they get worse, it's going to be because of us. Come on. Mankind has dominion on the face of the earth. We better start taking our dominion and authority back and walking in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and things get worse. Amen. So God has to slay his beautiful creation that he looked down at and said, it is good. It is good. It is good. He creates mankind. It is good. He creates the earth. It is good. He creates the oceans. It is good. The birds, the fowls, it is good. And now Adam and Eve have sinned and God has to take an animal and slay it to create clothes for them because now they're kicked out of paradise, which is what Eden means. They're kicked. I believe Eden and uh, heaven and earth were connected at Eden. There's a, a lot of theological evidence for this, that they were actually connected. And God says, we've got to get them out of here. But why does God say we got to get them out of here? It's for mercy because the tree of life is also there. If they were to eat of the tree of life, they would have been stuck in that state and the sacrifice of Jesus wouldn't have meant nothing to them. They would have been stuck in that state. But I'm not talking about that today. But the garden, God has to kill his own beautiful, perfect creation and blood was shed for the first time. Y'all following me here? Blood was shed for the first, and I believe it was a lamb. Number one, not, did you know that 90% of sheep today are still used for the making of clothes? So it would make sense, right, that God slays a lamb. Now, I don't have a, a scripture that says that, but I believe that, that it was probably a lamb. Also, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Why wouldn't God use a lamb? Plus, lamb makes good clothes, and he understands that the earth is fixing to rain down chaos on Adam and Eve as they leave paradise and are walking the face of the earth. So blood is shed in the garden because of sin. So from that time forward, there is now a sacrificial system of the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin. And I should really say covering not forgiveness, because that's all it did. It covered it until Jesus came, which I will get to that shortly. But do y'all remember Abel's, Abel's sacrifice? It was accepted by God and Cain's was not. Part of that is because it was the firstborn of the flock, but also because Abel's sacrifice had blood involved. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all sacrificed. This is before the Mosaic covenant. This is before the law of Moses. And then Moses steps onto the scene and God says, all right, I, I need you to write this down. They're stiff necked. They're hard headed. I want you to write this down. And this is the system that I want you to follow until I can put in a new system that will be even better than the one that we have now. And the law was there, y'all, to show you your sin. The law is simply there to show you your sin, to show you that you don't have it all together, to show you that God is perfect and you are not. Amen. Because some of us need that reminder from time to time. Amen. Not none of y'all in here, but other people out there. Amen. But this is the reason why the sacrificial system was set in place. It was to cover sin and it was a foreshadow of what was to come where God could wipe it out completely. Amen. So the shedding of blood covers sin. The Old Testament, let me just help us, and I'm, I'm teaching a little bit before I get to shouting and yelling and running a lap here in a minute, but we need to be taught sometimes, amen. But the, the shedding of blood is not some crazy, cultic, pagan, ritualistic thing 
that is a part of the Bible uh, in that sense. It was set up because that's what God had to do in the beginning. And it was simply a reminder to the people that when you sin, it brings about death in the earth. It was a reminder that when you live jacked up, messed up, and you're causing chaos in your life and everybody else is around you and you you have no relationship with God and you're living in sin, it will bring about death in your life. And this was a reminder to the people through the sacrificial system and the shedding of blood that when you live apart from God, death will reign in your life. So this wasn't, you know, something where they're wiping blood on themselves and each other and dancing around a fire and acting crazy. OK, you know, uh, this was a system to remind the people on the face of the earth that sin brings about death. This was an instruction to remind the people that sin brings about death and that blood had to be used as a covering but it was also a foreshadow of what was to come. So the reason why people struggling to understand uh, about understanding Jesus is because us as Christians, we don't understand this type of stuff and we don't teach it. When you can I just help us today when you run up on somebody who has no biblical knowledge and does not know anything about Jesus and does not know anything about God. And you tell them that Jesus bled on a cross and died for you and God is his father and he crushed his one and only son so that you could become a Christian and come to church with me. <laughs> they, they, they're going to look at you crazy and they're going to continue to look at you crazy. You're going you're going to have to teach them about what this thing is actually about so that you can actually reach them. Because when they hear stuff, God has a son. He crushed him. He killed. What's he going to do to me? Right. Right. So so we need to know and understand these things so that we can teach these things to people who are coming into the kingdom of God and who need a relationship with their creator, because that's what we were born for in the first place. That's why we were created. We were the only thing that God created in Genesis in what the Bible calls the Imago Dei, which means the image of God. We were the only beings on the face of the earth that were created with his image that were created in his likeness, meaning that we have the same type of emotions like God does. We are we are a spirit. We are three in one, just like he is three in one, because you have a mind, a body and a spirit. Come on. You have a soul, a body and a spirit. And he is three in one. He's the father. He's the son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So we are the one true reflection of God in the earth, you know, Peter says it like this. Be ready to, for, to give an account for why you believe what you believe. We need to be able to give an account for why we believe what we believe. So when I get to talking about the death, the cross and the blood, this is a great description of why we believe what we believe. This is something that started in the beginning of time. And now Jesus has finished it. Come on, somebody. So Adam and Eve sin in the garden, and that's what kicks off this whole thing with death and the blood and all of those things. The, the second point I want to make to you, number one, was we got to understand what happened in the garden. And now you need to understand this theological word called the atonement. The atonement. The definition of atonement is this. It is a reparation 
for a wrong and the theological definition of it is a reconciliation between God and man through the blood and death of Jesus Christ. That's what the atonement it is. is it is the reconciliation. It is the putting back together of the relationship with mankind, his creation, and God himself. The atonement is that. So atonement happened in the Old Testament through the sacrificial system we've been talking about, which was only a foreshadow of what was to come. And now we get this huge, long explanation that I just read you. I should have gave you a warning about that. <laughs> you know, that, that's a lot of scripture. And some of y'all are probably shaking your head like, "What? whoa, what in the world? But that whole set of scripture and text that we read, which I'll break down a little bit more in a second, but that whole set of text, uh, text that we read was all about the atonement and how the atonement of Jesus Christ is far better than the atonement of the old sacrificial system. Amen. Amen. And I wanted and I needed to break that down for us so that we can get excited together here in a second. Amen? Amen. So the writer of Hebrews says that the that all the sacrificial things and the system was a foreshadow of the things to come and was only effective until a better system could be established. Praise God. Aren't you glad you ain't got to go cut open a pigeon and pour out blood everywhere and you ain't got to go get a bull and you ain't got to go chop it up in pieces and create we got an altar but th th there ain't no animals and blood it'd be a messy up here if we had to do that is anybody else thankful that God has established the new covenant that God has made a way because what he's saying here is that the blood of bulls and goats was never going to be able to uh, or be strong enough, the blood of bulls and goats was never going to be strong enough to cleanse mankind's consciousness of dead works. The old system was simply a reminder of how jacked up and how messed up and how sinful that you are, but this new system was going to be so strong that every mistake that you already that you had made and every mistake that you ever would make would be covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. This blood would be even strong enough to keep you from sin. Touch a neighbor and tell them the blood is strong enough. The blood is strong enough to actually even keep me from sin. And that when we did sin, there was still no condemnation for the individual who had got caught up in sin. Come on. The Bible says who will bring a charge up against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Come on. And who is he that condemns but Jesus died? God and rather he rose from the dead and sits hand at the right hand of the father interceding for us. That Bible is saying you have no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus, which is better than bulls and goats, will actually cleanse your consciousness from dead works. The writer tells us in Hebrews, it says that the covenant was put into effect by blood and blood of an animal. The first covenant was put into effect by blood and the blood of an animal. But this greater covenant was put into effect by the blood of the son of God. Come on, somebody. For the Bible says no one went into Mary, but that she got pregnant by the Holy Ghost. So do you understand that when Jesus Christ was born on this earth, he had the DNA of mankind, meaning he was 100 percent man but he also had the dna 
of his father so that when the blood was shed on the cross when the blood was shed on Calvary it wasn't just any old blood come on it wasn't the blood of an animal come on it wasn't the blood of a normal human being it wasn't the blood of your mom or your dad or some regular person it wasn't the blood of a king it was the blood of the king of kings it was the blood of the lord of lords it was the blood and the dna of god himself oh that gets me excited to know do you understand that that it cleanses your consciousness of dead works That means that the blood of Jesus is so strong and so good that you can actually sin, repent of it, ask forgiveness of it. I did it this week. It's crazy. I made a mistake. I repented of it. I asked God to forgive me and I meant it with everything in my being. And I laid on my floor in my office. I had made a mistake and I repented and I asked God to forgive me. And you want to know what's crazy? I got up off that floor and I didn't feel no condemnation. I didn't feel no guilt. I didn't feel no shame because I knew that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. The blood of Abel cries out for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus speaks mercy. He's seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for me and for you so that when we do make a mistake, we've got a blood that speaks a better word. We have forgiveness that is actually real and available. And the blood of Jesus doesn't remind you of your junk. The blood of Jesus calls you higher and says, I'm going to get you to a place where you never have to go back down that road again. I'm preaching real good. Whoo! I I just love it that the blood of Jesus is on a whole nother level. Come on, is anybody else thankful that the blood of Jesus is on a whole nother level? Hallelujah. What animals could never fix, Jesus fixed. Come on, what animals could never fix, Jesus fixed. What animals could never fix, God fixed it. He said, I'm going to wrap myself in flesh and bone and blood, and I'm going to go fix what them animals couldn't fix. I'm going to go make it right. This wasn't no ordinary blood. This was the blood of God himself that was spilled. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. The blood of Abel cries out for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus speaks mercy. Come on, I wonder, is there any blood-bought Christians in the room? that are thankful for the blood of Jesus. If that's you, I wish you'd lose your mind for about 10 seconds and praise him like he's worthy. Praise him like you love him. Praise him like you're thankful. Praise him like you. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. Come on. I'm thankful for Calvary Hill. I'm thankful for the cross. Come on, I'm thankful that the old system is done and the new system has been established. We don't have to slay a lamb. He's already been slain. Come on. And like the writer of Hebrews tells us, each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. So also Christ was offered once for all time to take away the sin of the world, meaning that the blood of Jesus was so strong, it only took one time and your sin was finished. Come on, that blood is strong enough to cover all the sin that you created and you was involved with last week. Come on, that blood is strong enough to wash away all the sin that you messed up last year. That blood is strong enough to do away with all the sin of five and ten and twenty years ago and ever since you've been born or whatever it is that you've been involved with that blood is strong enough to wash it all away and make it white as snow 
Come on, Isaiah told us he was pierced for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. Pierced or wounded for our transgression. transgression. That means your sin that everybody sees. Oh, come on. Your transgressions. We all know that we've got stuff going on. We've all been in our flesh before. We've all made mistakes. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what your transgressions are. So that means he was wounded for your transgressions. His side was pierced. And remember what we read in Hebrews 9. The blood and the water was sprinkled on the people. When they pierced his side, blood and water come spewing out. That was pointing to this prophecy in this in this situation but he was also bruised for your iniquities when you hear that word iniquities in the bible you should always think of that inward sin what happens when you get a bruise it's inside you and you can see the blood that is trapped there come on he paid for your transgressions meaning he paid for your outward sin that everybody can see, but he was also bruised for your iniquities. Come on. He was bruised for all them thoughts that run in your mind. Come on. He was bruised for all of that stuff that's on the inside of you that you can polish up and that you can put some makeup on and roll in here on a Sunday morning. No, God paid for that too. He paid for your iniquities. He paid for everything. He paid for every thought. He paid for every act. He paid for everything on that cross that's why the cross and the death and the blood is so important for the christian and for the believer and for everybody on the face of the earth and we want to put the cross the death and the blood on a shelf because it ain't pretty your mess ain't pretty what we've done behind closed doors ain't pretty what we thought about ain't pretty Come on, we got to keep talking about the cross, the death, and the blood of Jesus because it's what can set you free. If you're thankful for the blood, give God some praise. Come on, it's all under the blood. Touch your neighbor and tell him it's under the blood. Come on, it's all under the blood. It's all under the blood. Touch your other neighbor, tell him I'm covered. Come on, I'm covered, I'm covered. Jesus has got my back. Tell them I might have messed up last week, but it's under the blood. Come on, I might have messed up last year, but it's under the blood. I might have messed up five years ago, but it's under the blood. I might have messed up my last marriage, but it's under the blood. I messed up when I was in addiction, but it's under the blood. I messed up when I was locked up and in jail, but it's under the blood. Come on. Is there anybody in this place that's thankful that everything in your life has been put under the blood of not bulls and goats, but it's been put under the blood of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I got to go. I got to go. Main key number three I want to discuss with you today is this, that heaven is set up like a courtroom. Heaven is set up like a court. When I heard this teaching for the first time from our apostle, Apostle Ron Carpenter, it blew my hair all the way back, way further than it is right now. Come on, somebody. (laughs) This thing shifted even my prayer life. It has shifted my thought life. It has shifted everything about the way that I approach God. Because when you realize that heaven is set up like a courtroom, you understand that there's protocols. 
You don't just fly up in the courtroom and tell them how you feel. Come on, you don't, yeah, come on. We know, don't we, Brandon? You don't just fly up in there talking about how things are going to get laid out. No, no, there's protocols. And if you don't follow them, you'll end up in a predicament. Amen. So heaven is set up like a courtroom and this will shift your prayers. This will shift your thought life. This will shift the way that you think about heaven when you understand this. Heaven is set up like a courtroom. But did you catch some of the terminology that's used in Hebrews chapter nine? Verse 23 says that everything in the tabernacle was copies of the things that are in heaven. Verse 14 says that Jesus entered the tabernacle in heaven, which was the Holy of Holies. It's where the presence of God was in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. It's simple. It's where the presence of God was and not just anybody was allowed in there. So verse 15 also says this, that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. So the Bible also says this, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. We read in the book of Job, too, that Satan is actually trafficking and he goes back and forth between his second realm, which is the uh, he's the prince of the air. I don't have time to mess with that today, but he's in that realm and God is in the realm above him. And he actually looks at things going on down here in the earth and then he goes back into the heavens. And in the book of Job, he uh, he shows up to heaven one day and God says, where you been? He says, well, I've been roaming to and fro on the earth. What's he doing when he's roaming to and fro on the earth. I'll tell you what he's doing. He's collecting information about you and about me. And he's trying to get back in heaven and bring the accusations against God's people and say, he don't deserve that blessing. Look what he did last week. He don't deserve that. She don't deserve that. Look what they did. I have this and it's all written in record. He's the prosecutor. He's the prosecutor. The Bible also says this, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses come on we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses which is the saints come on and God is known as the judge he is the righteous judge of all things right and do you know to know what Jesus is Jesus is our lawyer because the Bible just said that he is the mediator of the new covenant making prayers and intercessions for you and for me and so We are the ones that Satan is accusing and saying that we are guilty. So we are the defendant. But the blood. Oh, come on, somebody. I said, but the blood. Do you want to know what the blood is? The blood is the evidence and the DNA proof that you are to be acquitted. Y'all ain't saying no thing. The blood is the DNA proof that it's been paid for. When Satan comes into that heavenly realm making accusations about you and making accusations about me, Jesus just points to the father who is the righteous judge and said, I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that sin. I paid for that mistake. The blood of Jesus is the DNA proof that walks into the courtroom and says, not guilty. It's the DNA proof that walks into the courtroom and says, no, they're set free. It walks into the courtroom and proves to everybody that God has set you free and dropped the charges against you on your life. Come on. 
If that don't get you excited about what is going on in the heavens and wanting to pull it down into the earth, because I'm telling you right now, when you stop walking in condemnation and guilt and shame and you stop thinking about all the sin consciousness stuff that's going on and all the whirlwind and all the mistakes that you've made in your life, it'll shift you to thinking about righteousness. And if you ever begin to ponder about your right standing with your father, you'll actually begin to walk in it when you realize and you actually believe that God says you're holy, you'll walk in it. When you realize and you actually believe that God says you're righteous, you'll be able to walk in it. When you wake up and realize that God says that you are blameless, you can actually begin to walk in it because as a man thinks within himself, so he is. So what if we stop being sin consciousness, which the Bible just told you the blood doesn't want you to be sin conscious anymore, but righteousness conscious, meaning you need to ponder and think upon the fact that you've been made right with God through the blood. You need to ponder on the fact that you're righteous, you're blameless, you're holy in God's sight because you're in Christ. He who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the what the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when you begin to believe that about yourself you will begin to walk in it God is coming back for a church that's spotless and without blemish he's already paid for it put the jacket on Y'all remember that from a cup. Put the jacket on, man. It's paid for. Salvation, righteousness, holiness is free gift given to you. Put on the jacket and begin to walk in the things that God already says you are. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you would like to support the ministry of the Recovery to Recovered podcast, you could go to canvashebbyville.com or bethebushministries.com. If you're enjoying the content that you are receiving here on the show, you can also follow me on social media on TikTok at Pastor Caleb Mack, as well as Instagram, Pastor Caleb Mack, and on Facebook under Caleb McCall. Be blessed. Until next time on the Recovery to Recovered podcast.